Turn to your neighbor and say, God can do anything. Okay, so let's pick up verse 27. Verse 27. So this angel comes to Mary. She's in, in a, a town called Nazareth. And it says here, to a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. In fact, you know what? I want to just stop and pray for a second. Okay, I want to give God thanks. I know we have been. Let me just pray. Lord, thank you so much for this miracle that we just heard from Rob. Uh, we have been praying about this and uh, for almost a decade. And uh, as Doug expressed this past week in a text message, I don't do patience well. But God, your timing is always perfect. And so we thank you for the strength that you have provided Pastor Chris and Olga and Margaret and Rob who have been in the throes of it. And Lord, we just, uh, we thank you for this, this victory and we pray it sticks and we give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks, good. Okay, so that Gabriel comes to Mary, says, the Lord is with you, verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to thank Think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Let's stop here for a second. So in biblical times, if you were a Jew, you would know that there was this historical promise of a coming Messiah. Now the name Jesus, this is interesting, and the name Jesus in Hebrew is actually the word Joshua. Did you know that? Which means uh, the Lord is salvation. And I never really thought about it until this last week. But you remember Joshua in the Old Testament? He was, he was Moses' apprentice. He was Moses' right-hand man. Joshua was actually the one that brought the Israelites into where? Into the promised land. And so now Jesus, in Hebrew, Joshua, is also now the one who's going to bring us all, if we give our, put our faith into him, into where? Into the promised land. Interesting tidbit there. So he's the recipient of, of the throne of David, or uh, sort of the uh, Messiah was expected to be part of King David's lineage. And we're told that Joseph, Mary's uh, fiance, Jesus's surrogate dad, is from the lineage of King David. But what's interesting in this verse is that, to me, is that, that Gabriel describes Jesus. She says that he will be very great. Now, if you look back just a few verses to Luke chapter 1, verse 15, Gabriel said that to uh, is Elizabeth as well about her son John, who would, we would soon know as John the Baptist? She said he's, he said he's, she's going to be very great. But the difference between Jesus is very great and, and John's great is the fact that the, Gabriel adds he's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be Son of Most High, and his kingdom is going to last forever. So it's significant here that, that the, the Jewish people, I, I think th there was this, this thought that this Messiah would come, he would set up his earthly kingdom, he would set up this establishment, you know, as Jews as the, as the top of the food chain, but it was for a limited duration. Whereas here, the angel Gabriel makes, it, makes this, this point that no, Jesus is, he's coming, he's the Messiah, but his duration of, of rule is going to be forever, right? His kingdom will last forever. His kingdom will never end. Distinguishing and setting him apart 
really, again, from, from John the Baptist. So let's keep reading, and then we'll unpack it further. Verse 34. So Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, reinforcing this truth again that God can do anything, right? People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So friends, one of the things we really want to, it's important for us to recognize is the angel Gabriel is making it very clear here in verse 35 that Mary's pregnancy will be the result of divine activity. And even though Mary's response is one of confusion and being disturbed, which was, those are the two words, right? She was confused and disturbed. Her, her response is one of quiet submission and complete obedience. But again, the big idea is that God's invitations are sometimes what? Messy, okay? A couple more verses and then we're really going to dive in. Go back one, uh, one book, or I guess two books, to the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, I want to read just a few verses. From Matthew chapter 1, verses 18. I want to introduce you to Joseph, her husband-to-be, and then uh, we'll dig in. Matthew chapter 1, skip down to verse 18, and this is what we're told. So this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now skip down to 24, two more verses. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. So, got the story, right? Mary's engaged to be married to, Moses, to Joseph. She is basically Joseph's fiance, and suddenly she becomes pregnant. Now, is that good news or bad news if your, your spouse-to-be is found pregnant? This is no bueno. Uh, you know, when you're engaged to be married and your fiance suddenly gets pregnant, that's never a good thing. And, 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 and in biblical days, we all know what would happen, right, to a woman like that. She would be stoned. She would be killed before her adulterous activity in the Jewish religious context. But Joseph suddenly gets his God assignment, doesn't he? Which reinforces this big idea that God's invitations are sometimes messy. I don't know how long it was before Joseph got the, had the dream. Was it a week? Was it two weeks? Was it three weeks? How much time was there between Mary's visit from Gabriel saying, hey, I'm going to be pregnant to the time that Joseph 
got the dream, hey, your wife's to be is pregnant. You think there was any tension before that dream came between Mary and Joseph? Hey, hey Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant. What? Uh, it's, but it's not, I wasn't, right? Think about the dialogue. It wasn't, it wasn't another guy, it was God, right? And Joseph's going, wrong. And the Bible's telling us that he's, while well, he's thinking about this, so there was this time between this dialogue and all of a sudden he has this dream. But again, God's invitations are messy. Now write this down, point number one in your app notes. God's invitations sometimes involve relational tension. God's kingdom invitations in your life and mine sometimes involves relational tension. Where's the relational tension in this Christmas story? Mary's engaged to be Joseph. She's pregnant. Big tension. Societal pressure against both Mary and Joseph, right? Think about the tension between Mary and Joseph, but not only that, but think about the tension that, of, of Joseph's peers on him himself. This is the, from the lineage of King David. This is a guy who had social clout and religious clout, and now your girl got shacked up with another guy, and you're not doing anything about it? Especially once, you know, after Joseph has this dream that God says, hey, you know, I want you, to, this is really, there's something going on here. Who can you tell? Relational tension. You know, when we read the stories of the Bible, there's countless stories of men and women who face tension. Remember the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22? In his old age, Abraham and Sarah had a baby, a baby boy. And, and, and as Isaac's getting older, suddenly God tells Abraham to do what with his son? To kill him. Take him up to the mountain, lay him on the altar, sacrifice him. If you love me, you'll do this, Abraham. You think there was any relational tension in the household? Hey, honey, guess what I got to do? What? <laughs> Scary stuff. Now write this down somewhere in the margin of your notes. Messy does not dismantle God's power. Let that sink in. Messy does not dismantle God's power. Earlier we heard from Rob, right? He's been on this nine-year messy kingdom assignment. Friends, just because you find yourself in the mess right now, if any of you are experiencing relational tension with somebody, hold on to the truth and the hope that messy does not dismantle God's power. In fact, I submit that messy is something that God actually flourishes in. So do any of you find yourself in any kind of a messy life situation right now? Any controversy? in your life? If so, be encouraged because messy does not dismantle God's power. So here's an exercise, okay? In your app notes, there's some places for you to fill in some, some names here. I want you to, there's some space here. I'd like you to just, with whom are you currently experiencing some relational tension? Just think about that. Some of you, it's gonna come very easy. It could be a spouse, it could be a coworker, it could be a son, or it could be a daughter, it could be a business partner, it could be a church member. Sometimes there's even tension in church. 
With whom are you currently experiencing some relational tension? And really the question that I want you, as you identify maybe one or two names, if, if, if such exists in your life, here's what I want, one of the things I would love for you to ponder this week is how might God be inviting you to grow as a result of this messy situation, right? Where is God inviting you to trust him? Because messy does not dismantle God's power. And certainly God has the ability. God could, have, God could have resolved this legal issue nine months, nine years, two months ago, right? But instead God let it go and go and go and go and go. What's the temptation when experiencing relational temp t- tension with somebody? What do, we, what do we typically do? A lot of times we want to separate ourselves from that person, Right? We want to put some distance between us. And certainly that's what Joseph, we're told here, is considering, was considering with, with Mary. We're told that he was considering what's separating from her. How can I, how can I let her go? How can I let the, break off from this relationship quietly? But I invite you to consider today, rather than discard this tension-filled relationship from your life, Ask yourself the question, is there a chance that God might want to use those individuals to help you change or grow? With whom are you currently experiencing some relational tension? Friends, God's kingdom assignments, as we see here in this Christmas story, sometimes involves relational tension. So don't always be quick to avoid conflict. I often tell couples in marriage counseling, conflict is a wonderful way to get to know your mate. You know, how come you're so upset? And then you'll listen. My goal, honey, is not to make you upset. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? But if I upset Robin, it's an opportunity for me to discover why, why, and get to know her better. So don't be afraid of conflict. It's a, it's a path towards intimacy. Consider for a moment whether or not God wants you to stay engaged. Now, that being said, staying engaged in the tension does not mean you need to navigate the situation alone. In fact, point number two in your notes understand that God's invitations are designed. For us to navigate in community. God's invitations are designed to be navigated in community. Do y'all remember what God said to, at the beginning in, in, the, in the book of Genesis chapter 2? After forming Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be what? Alone, right? God's kingdom assignments are intended to be navigated in community, which is one of the reasons why we gather in a place like this, right? It's one of the reasons why we meet during the week for Bible studies and gatherings. It's one of the reasons why people are tuning in online. It's because it's community. It's a way of saying, oh, let me, let me engage with you and maybe have you engage with me. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a story of Moses who's uh, having this conversation with his father Jethro. Do you remember this conversation? So Moses has just led the nation of Israel out of, uh, out of um, 
Egypt. They're now in the wilderness. They're wandering. And, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes and visits him to see how things are going. Because prior to this, this kingdom assignment, Moses had helped his father-in-law as a shepherd. In fact, it was out watching his dad's sheep that he has his burning bush experience, which then leads him to, to Egypt to free the people. And Jethro comes and he notices that all these people are in this line, one after another after another, and they're coming to, to Moses for counseling. They're coming to Moses to get, help him, to get his advice for help them in resolving relational tensions in their life. And Jethro says to Moses in, in uh, I think it's chapter 18 of Exodus, you have to read there. He says, basically he observes Moses and he says, this is not good, Mo. This is not good because you're going to get, this is, you're going to, this is going to lead, kind of behavior is going to lead to burnout. So Jethro gives Moses his advice. He says, listen, you need to appoint some, some people to help you kind of navigate people's concerns. You know, you can handle the tough stuff, but by and large, don't do this alone. Reinforcing this truth that God's invitations are intended for us to navigate in what? In community. And that's exactly what Mary in the Christmas story did. Look at what the Bible writer tells us in verse 39. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And go back there. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, and at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a great cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you among, above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So obviously Elizabeth is giving this kind of this, this prophetic, you know, utterance. And part of what, you know, if you remember the story of Elizabeth is that when, when, when Gabriel approached Zechariah as he's burning incense in the altar and says, hey, your wife's going to get pregnant. She's going to give birth to this boy and he's going to be amazing. And Gabriel lists off this whole litany of things that Gabriel is gonna, or John is going to do. You're supposed to name him John, you know, and he's going to do this. And he's going to turn the hearts of, of Israel to, you know, towards the Messiah who he's the forerunner for. And so Elizabeth knows this about this baby that she's carrying. She's carrying this, this, this un, unbelievable promise that in the Levitical, you know, lineage she would have understood. And so when this baby leaps within her belly... When Mary walks into the room, she recognizes, oh my gosh, my baby and her baby, some, there's something going on here by the way this child is responding. And she gives this prophetic utterance saying, basically, woman, you're, you're blessed. Now here's what I want you to notice. Elizabeth was part of Mary's support structure, wasn't she? Elizabeth was someone God used to help Mary navigate God's messy kingdom assignment. Both Elizabeth and Joseph helped Mary navigate and fulfill God's call on her life. 
God's invitations are sometimes messy, brothers and sisters, but he doesn't ask you or me to go through those messy situations alone. He invites us to do them in community. So go back to your app notes, and I want you to jot down two names. I want you to think about your life, okay? Go all the way back to your birth, to today. And in that span of time, I want you to think about who are two individuals that God has used to help shape the trajectory and the path that led you to where you're at today. It could have been one person, or it could have been somebody who was there all the time. Like, I think about my, my call to the ministry I was praying about, you know, God, I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. I didn't really want to be a pastor. And in a, in a two-week period, three different people, unsolicited, came up to me and said, Hey, Mike, I've been watching you. Have you ever thought about going in the ministry? So when you think about your life, I suspect you probably had people like that. Maybe somebody who walked with you, or maybe it was just momentary, out of the blue, serendipitous encounter who God used to help navigate maybe a situation in your life. So I just want you to write down the name of two people who God used to help shape your spiritual journey. Everybody got that? Everybody done that? Now we're going to say a prayer together and we're just going to thank God for those two people. Okay? So hands open. Deep breath. Again, inhale. Say, God, I want more of you. Less of me. Now just let's give him an offering. Say, God, thank you for, and then tell him. Just pop off on your mind the name of these individuals who have helped shape your spiritual journey. God, thank you for. And if they're still living, just say, Lord, pour out your, your favor upon them today. Bless them today. Good. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Good. Now, here's the next part of this. Now I would like you to identify two people in your life who you might lean upon now. For those of you who find yourself in a relational tension, again, with a spouse, coworker, church member, whatever the case may be, maybe things are going great. That's good too. But if you're in, the, if you're in a war, I want you to list the names of two people who you could lean upon right now. Could be a spouse, could be your pastor, could be a neighbor, could be a coworker. Who would you go to? In the same way that Mary looked to Elizabeth for strength, write these two names down. Everybody, everybody got that done? Now here's your homework assignment for this week. Okay. I want to challenge you, and especially for those of you who maybe are currently in a situation that feels uncertain, that you will call both of these individuals this week. And you will set up a time in the next month, we're in the Christmas season, so it's busy, but in the next month, make a time to get together. At the very least, have a FaceTime call. You know, about three weeks ago, I got a phone call from somebody in this community. And uh, he, he said to me, hey, Mike, uh, my wife told me to call you. Uh, can you come over and, and can we chat? I said, yeah, can I bring my wife, Robin? He said, sure. So this last week, Robin and I went over to the, a friend's house. 
And, 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 and it just basically started the conversation as, listen, I'm stuck. I retired not too long ago and I found myself stuck. Can you help us? And so the four of us just sat in the living room just chatting for a couple of hours. Trying to get unstuck. Right? And it just modeled for me exactly what we see here with Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary is that God invites us to, to go through our life and navigate in community. So I want you this week to identify with those one or two people and just set up a time. And if nothing else, if, if things are going great, great. Just say, hey, I just want you to know I love you and I appreciate you and I'm glad you're in my life. But for those of you who are in a situation where you need some, you're stuck. Who can you reach out to? Reach out to those two people, okay? Because brothers and sisters, this Christmas story reminds us that God's invitations are sometimes what? Messy. They're sometimes messy. But God can do anything. So here's how we're going to close our service today band's going to come up. Robin and I, and maybe Kirk, depending on the number of people, we're going to stand over here, and I brought along my olive oil from Bethlehem. So a lot of times I use this oil when we dedicate babies. This is my baby dedicating oil. And in, in, in biblical days, there's nothing magical about oil, but olive oil was often used to designate this this kind of this word picture or this, this way of saying, God, we want your anointing on this person's life. When kings would be set apart to be, to, to be, you know, to be kings, the prophet would come and they would pour over their head and down their face and beard anointing oil. And so if you're, as the band comes and plays, and come on up, you guys, we're gonna be over here. And if you would like prayer for anything, if you would like to be some, have some community in your life where someone can say, hey, we want to just navigate with you, I invite you to come forward. I'm going to take some of this oil and I'm just going to put it as an as a, as a, a illustration, kind of this physical dis demonstration saying, God, we want your involvement here. I'm going to put it just in the form of a cross on your forehead. If you don't want me to put it on your forehead, if you want me on your hand, if you don't want it at all, that's fine too. I'll, I'll have it. And then if, if, if you'd like prayer, just say, hey, Mike, this is the situation that I'm in. Or if you'd rather go to Robin, say, Robin, this is the situation that I'm in. We would love to pray, for, pray with you. And we're going to take as long as we need to. So the band's going to play. If you feel like you want to get up and get some hot chocolate and coffee and whatnot and just celebrate the fact that maybe life is good right now, that's fine too. But we're going to give this next few minutes to the Lord and we're going to navigate life's tension in, in community. Sound good? So come and pray. No need to tackle life alone.